Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard The Earthling to her doom. It's episode number 99 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most destructive Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the god of destruction, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm pretty good, Doug. How are you doing up there in the great white north? I'm doing great, Liam. Really, really well. Though, you know what? I think some of our listeners might be curious about the fact that it's been quite a while since episode number 98. Of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. It's been probably the longest gap since I started recording this program over a month, Liam. Has it been over a month? Mm-hmm, mm, just about that. I just look. Here's the thing. A, we have another podcast, so I get my little dose of Dougie, you know, Yay. in another form. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wasn't keeping track. And B, you know, just not having to watch crappy movies has been a real respite for me. So I haven't really like paid attention. Well, I honestly, I didn't want to say anything to you, Liam, but really the break was about getting your energy up. I feel like you've been pulling things down a little stop, bit. Stop. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Liam. No, it, the, the break was for all sorts of reasons. There was some illness going around my household. I wasn't feeling that great. Uh, we are, of course, approaching episode number 100, the final episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And there's a lot of preparation that has to go into that, including a certain idea I have, Liam. And I'm only just going to tease it a little bit here because longtime listeners of the program know they're like, "How can? what are you even talking about, Doug and Liam, and especially Liam? How can you end the podcast at number 100? You made a blood oath to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts, a blood oath, which is unbreakable and unshakable, Liam. So how can you end things? And those listeners, to them, I say... Just watch me. Just watch us, right, Liam? We're in this together. I have come up with a plan. I have come up with a a structure of that episode that's going to get us out of this blood oath. And when it comes to blood oaths, Liam, it's not easy to break them. And uh, because of that, I've had to investigate the sacred text, Liam. And I think I have an idea, all to be revealed on our episode number 100. Hmm. I mean, that sounds like a lot of uh, white people hullabaloo, but, you know, I'm here for it. Uh, look, I, 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 boy, I'm just going to say I for the next little while. Liam, <laughs> I'm, I'm the king of white people hullabaloo, uh, my That's swarthy true. friend. And I feel like I have come up with a plan that will both benefit me and to a lesser extent you. I mean, in in my mind, there there's no both and in that scenario. What whatever you benefit, I lose out. It's a zero sum game. Liam, tell me how your family has been recently. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, let's hear it. Look, I'm really. I, uh, look, let's be serious for a second. I really, really want to hear how your family has been. Please go into it in some detail. <laughs> mm-hmm. well doug yes uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. they've been really great uh okay and you know mave is uh talking more and running around right. and doing maybe things and uh she started shut uh, up uh, liam i knew it was coming i guess this week is a writer critic educator and co-host of the tomb of ideas marvel horror podcast it's trey lawson how you doing today trey i am doing great happy to be here I'm happy to have you here, Trey. Now, that podcast, Tomb of Ideas, is on the Cinepunks network. Cinepunks, that site that Liam is involved in. Tell us about what Tomb of Ideas is about. I want to hear more about Tomb of Ideas. Sure. So it is a podcast I co-host with James Hickson. um, And we are going issue by issue through the Marvel horror and monster books, uh, starting mostly with the ones in the 70s. We did a little bit of the early 50s stuff just to sort of dip our toes in. But, uh, but you know, we're doing Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night, uh, the Morbius stuff that comes out of Spider-Man. Um, we just started Monster of Frankenstein, which is cool, um, and Ghost Rider, all kinds of stuff. Some of it uh, goes directly into superhero territory, but a lot of it right now is sort of in its own little world, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and so we uh, we go issue by issue, and we're looking at 
the way the genre developed, uh, the uh, ways that the characters uh, start to interact as the books cross over, um, and uh, generally just sort of enjoying uh, some some old-fashioned Marvel comics. So you're telling me that these comic books from the 1970s they cross over with each other, these monsters. It sounds sort of like some sort of dark universe, Trey. Uh, that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, although no Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, no. Oh, they could, though. You know, why don't they make a Marvel monster universe? Pretty good idea. Actually, that's my idea. Uh, trademark mm-hmm. Doug Tilly. Um, <laughs> At first, I thought you were going to. Uh, suggest a version of like Dark Justice League, but like it would be like Dark Avengers or something. Is this Marvel? I don't get Marvel. I'm a DC guy, Liam. Uh... <laughs> oh, I know. I can smell it on you. <laughs> <laughs> Trey, you must like monsters a lot if you need to talk about monsters and comic books. You must like a lot of these nerdy comic book monster things. I, I am a fan of those things, yes. That's good. That's an enthusiasm that probably people uh, who are listening to that podcast, who should be everybody, are appreciative of. But one thing you didn't mention, which I think is really important uh, uh, to this particular episode of this podcast, is your thoughts on the actor Eric Roberts. Yeah, um, I'd say I'm an <laughs> Eric Roberts fan. Oh, um, good! I uh, I enjoy when he appears in things. Um, he's he's a, a solid character actor. Um, <laughs> Strong words. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, like, uh, I don't know that I've ever decided to sit and watch a movie because he was in it, maybe until now. Mm-hmm. Monster Island might be the first movie I watched just because Eric Roberts was in it. Well, I'll tell you, you get used to it. Uh, Liam and I, <laughs> Liam and I, for a number of years now, have been watching movies just because Eric Roberts appears in them. Uh, and really, it just gets more and more rewarding. Right, Liam? Yeah, I love every moment of it. Every second is a pure joy. Oh, um, um, actually, though, here you go. Uh, I actually do have a, a weird Eric Roberts uh, viewing experience. Yes, and that is that I am I am a huge Doctor Who fan. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan. Um, and actually predating the revival of the series uh, with Christopher Eccleston, my very first episode of Doctor Who that I ever watched was the 1996 TV movie where Eric Roberts plays the master. Mm. Actually, it's interesting that you say that, Trey, because though I do have a strong memory of episodes of Tom Baker-era Doctor Who airing on television when I was a kid on like PBS, and they showed it on YTV here in Canada, uh, the first time I ever sat down with the, with the you know, express idea, I'm going to watch Doctor Who, is when they aired that TV movie as well. And I didn't know what the fuck was going on from start right. to finish. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes no sense if you don't know anything about Doctor Who. Uh, but it was weird and science fiction-y, and there were lots of flashing special effects and things, and I was hooked. I, I loved it. So. And what did you think of Eric Roberts' performance in that film? Um, delightfully campy. Yeah, controversial. And so, you know, they've brought back the Eric Roberts master on some recent Big Fish audio dramas. That is cool. I, I knew that, that uh, the, the doctor from the TV movie had done a lot of those. So it makes sense that at some point they would bring him in as, as the master. Trey, what's your favorite Eric Roberts performance? Oh. Um... It's a tough one, I know. And why would you be asked such a question? <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, you know, I am completely drawing a blank right now. Now, um, I know but... your brain is saying The Dark Knight. That's what it's saying. I think his performance in The Dark Knight is the one that I love most. But maybe you're also thinking Best of the Best or Star 80 or The Pope of Greenwich Village. Perhaps you're thinking of movies like King of the Gypsies. Perhaps you're thinking of the movie that we're talking about today, Monster Island from the year 2019. Any of those, Trey, do you think are his best performance? Um, so I my... Honestly, my first thought, just because partly it's the first theatrical released film that I could think of that he was in, was The Dark Knight. Hey, there you go. Uh, however, I will say I very much enjoyed his uh, guest spots on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Trey. Trey! <laughs> yes. Trey, who is your favorite Marvel monster? So, um, I am going to have to say uh, we haven't really gotten there yet mm-hmm. but i i really like the uh the second version of ghost rider spirit of vengeance the danny catch version from oh, the 80s right um 
uh, we, we've gotten into the Johnny Blaze stuff, like the very early Ghost Rider stuff, and mm-hmm. it's they're still figuring out what that character is. Um, but I really, I because of when I was a kid, the 80s, 90s Ghost Rider stuff was like the pinnacle of cool for for like Marvel uh, superhero books. Leather jacket, flaming skull, all that stuff. Honestly, I felt the same way when I was a kid. The idea of some dude. And I honestly, I think Johnny Blaze was the character... I remember reading the most, but just the idea of basically selling your soul to Satan, becoming a motorcycle guy with a flaming head. To me, that's basically the apex of potential cool. Liam, oh, yeah. you are a Marvel guy. You actually co-host a podcast about Alpha Flight with me. Um, Never heard of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite Marvel monster? Well, uh, other than Ghost Rider, I haven't read a lot of the monster books. Oh, um, come on, Liam. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I've I've read a little bit of uh what's it called? Man thing. Um giant sized uh, man thing. <laughs> yeah, not a lot though, just a little bit. Um, but it's it's pretty good. Uh here's my question. Um, what do we consider uh Sleepwalker? Sleepwalker from the early nineties? Mm-hmm. I guess he's a monster. How about he's Dark kind of a monster, I, I, right? He's at least monster adjacent. He's monstrous. Because I think that's the only one other than Ghost Rider I read, I read consistently. And I actually, when I was reading it, because I was into it for a couple of years, I actually liked it better than Ghost Rider, uh, uh. Which, is an, which is a weird opinion to have. But it's just, my thing with Ghost Rider is that it always seemed like Ghost Rider was always hinting that Ghost Rider was more than Ghost Rider. Like, uh. it's just like, from the beginning of the 90s redrawn, it was just like, Oh man, Ghost Rider! You're actually this god of vengeance. And it was just him being like, "I don't care," and then that just seemed to be a theme over and over again. And after a while, I just got tired of that, and I just didn't find it T- interesting. Typical Liam loves a superhero that gets his powers when he goes to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a fun thing. Yeah, <laughs> worth pointing out. There was actually a, a new Sleepwalker miniseries recently that tied into the Marvel's events, and it's no. a lot of fun. I recommend oh, it. Wow. I, I know, I know one of the guys who co-wrote it. So, uh, full disclosure, but it's really awesome. Well, I mean, I, I, I heard it was total shit. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know anything about I, it. I just thought it would be I, funny uh, to insult your friend for some reason. I, I remember one of my one of my favorite sort of crossover events was the one where um, Wolverine and Punisher and Ghost Rider go head to head with Mephisto, and and I, and that was like a big sort of monstery thing that I was very stoked on. Although the whole time I kept being like, "What is what is Punisher going to do? I don't understand. He's, he's just got a gun. It's really not that. I don't know. I don't. I just I just had trouble." buying into that aspect of one of my favorite <laughs> comic books that i owned as a kid like in the mid 90s uh mm-hmm. it was a book that crossed over a bunch of characters it was it was from the ghost rider title when it was called spirits of vengeance right um, right right and and i just remember the cover is seared into my brain because it is peak 90s um it is venom hanging upside down from a sewer pipe holding ghost rider's skull by the chains um, and the word vengeance in the title has venom spray painted over it. Um, so yeah. it says, says spirits of venom. And then in the comic, Ghost Rider, Danny Catch, Johnny Blaze, Venom, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and someone like it's like six or seven major characters all in that one book. None of it makes a lick of sense, but I thought it was the most awesome thing ever. You know what? Yeah. Speaking of superheroes, we need to talk about all the Eric Roberts' latest news on the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 99 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. Back on June 15th, Liam, uh, Eric Roberts posted a photo, a very interesting photo. It's a picture of an uh, actor, uh, appears to be Eric Roberts himself, sporting a mustache. And he's holding a chair that says Eric Roberts, and underneath it, William Faulkner. It appears, Liam, that Eric Roberts is playing... William Faulkner in an upcoming role. But the question I have for you, Trey, is what do you think about that mustache Eric Roberts is sporting? It suits him. It's It looks dignified. I think it actually really suits him. Like, to the point where I, I feel like he should stick that mustache into his 
uh, repertoire. He's been known for his hair for so long. I feel like a mustache brings something else to the table. He's got a really suave look, like a, like he could play like an Errol Flynn-type character. What do you think, Liam? Errol Flynn. Okay. What do you think? Eric Roberts is <laughs> Errol Flynn. I mean, the mustache isn't real, though. No, but I imagine Eric Roberts can grow a mustache. I've seen him with a full beard. Uh, yeah, but what did the mustache look like? I, I don't think he can grow a uh, mustache as uh, robust as the one he's sporting in this picture. Okay, well, be that as it may, using Hollywood magic. Look, they used Hollywood magic to remove Superman's mustache. There's no reason they couldn't use it to put one on Eric Roberts. <laughs> okay. Right? So are, so are you disagreeing with me, Liam, that you don't think he could uh, get a few roles sporting that stash? I mean, I think, you know, if he wants to rock a mustache for more movies than he does right now, sure. But I think, you know, his most iconic uh, uh, mustache was uh, for what do you call? Um, mm, very good. Oh, sorry. It's out of my brain. Well, think about it. We'll just sit here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Why don't you give us a little hint? Maybe we can work it out. Um, uh, didn't he have a mustache in uh, Star Eighty? He did have a mustache yeah, in Star Eighty. He does. Yeah. He had a that... very sleazy mustache. I. I mean, I think if anything, and again, I don't know if that was his real mustache, Liam, and I don't know if you know that either. But at the very least, it's proof he can uh, grow a uh, uh, a full, uh, uh, luxurious mustache. Right, but I think this is a very I okay. Mm-hmm. I think having a mustache is a lot of work uh to get the kind of mustache that you want to have. So, uh, you know, the fact that he's on set and he has his fake mustache on that looks real good isn't the full story. You know, it might be a lot of work for him to maintain that kind of mustache. Plus, if you'll notice, this mustache is very brown and uh, you know, Eric Roberts hasn't had brown facial hair for like, you know, almost 10 years. So, okay. Maybe they're going to do something to his hair. I think you need to calm down a little bit. The story here, Liam, <laughs> is that he's playing William Faulkner in an upcoming movie. That's pretty exciting. That is a, that is exciting. You asked me about his facial hair, though. <laughs> unless, it's, unless it turns out the movie is called William Faulkner versus Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back on June 14th, Eric Roberts was uh, responding, quote, tweeting on Twitter from a person named Bryman7076, who was tweeting, You are pure awesome. You are great and spun. And your part in The Cable Guy was so funny. Eric Roberts responds, hashtag obscure. Thank you! Exclamation point, exclamation point, and a couple more exclamation points. Liam, are those films Spun and The Cable Guy obscure? Uh, I would say Spun definitely is. I mean, it has its very dedicated fans. Sure. Um, but I, I don't think it is like... Um... I don't think it's like hugely sort of widely known, but the cable guy, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm right in the age range for cable guy obsession, but I assume that lots of people know the cable guy. I don't know. Maybe he's referring to the fact that his part in the cable guy is so small that, I mean, people could absolutely forget that he was even in it. I guess I I actually had forgotten that he was in that one. See, proof positive. I I 100% when we mention Eric Roberts that's one of the things people bring up to me is cable the cable guy. Well, good for you, Liam. Just because you have a lot of cool people surrounding you doesn't mean that something is or is not obscure. I have a question for you, Trey Lawson, which is that if you were a famous actor who's known for uh you know, say a handful of very high-profile roles, if someone comes up to you and says, "I loved you in say, a lesser-known or more obscure work, do you think that you are more interested to hear that, that people are digging further into your filmography? Or does it not really make a difference, do you think? I I mean, I I think that that's at least meant to be flattering, you know? Like, uh, that, that they're not just sort of calling attention to the stuff that everyone would know, you know, like I am a big enough fan that I have tracked down these things that are maybe harder to find, or I couldn't just see in the multiplex or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're particularly proud of that work, you know, uh, we covered a long time ago, a made for TV adaptation of a thing. I believe it's a short story called Paul's case, which starred a very young Eric Roberts in it. And Liam, remember when you brought that up on stage to Eric Roberts himself? Mm-hmm. He lit up like Christmas. 
he was super he was like actually very excited to talk about it and was excited that we even knew what it was yeah absolutely i believe by the way that paul's case is available to watch on amazon prime right now which uh listeners it is really worth your time very good eric roberts performance in there he looks really astoundingly young in it but it just goes to show that there are certain performances that stick with actors that they enjoy being reminded that people still care about i think liam yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, you know, I guess if you want to boil their whole career down to a few of those roles, they might be salty about it. But, you know, when you've been in as many roles as Eric Roberts, I don't think you have a right to say these are the only important ones. You know, right. like a lot of people are going to like you for whatever they managed to catch you in because you've been in a million things. And, you, you know, that to me, it seemed to me when we met him that that was a point of pride. He was certainly not embarrassed to say, I've been in a lot of things. So speaking of exciting, Liam, back on mm-hmm. June 12th, Eliza Roberts, at Mom Eliza Roberts, another account you should be following, she tweeted, could I be more proud of Eric Roberts for your Emmy consideration, outstanding short form, hashtag comedy or hashtag drama series, Eric Roberts, class act, hashtag proud wife. Uh, this is, I think, uh, a campaign for Eric Roberts to be nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Short-Form Comedy or Drama Series. Now, I could be wrong on this, but I believe that it's referring specifically to the program Class Act, which I have yet to see, uh, but it is a television miniseries and therefore would uh, be uh, uh, appropriate for this. Uh, It feels like something, Liam, we need to check out. Uh, Class Act with Eric Roberts, he could win an Emmy for it, Liam. Uh, I yeah sure I mean I'm interested in it I don't I I would like to see if there are more people tweeting about him getting an Emmy you mean aside from his own wife yeah maybe one or two well I'm looking at the cast list for class act which also happens to feature Eliza Roberts in two episodes <laughs> I'll okay. just let that I'll just let that sink in. I don't know where to find this. Oh, it's on Amazon Prime. So maybe I should look it up just quickly on Amazon Prime. Does he have a starring role in this thing? It is your job to acquire the various Eric Roberts ephemera from across the internet (laughs) and present them on this very show. And this is the first we're hearing that this thing even exists, Doug. Where have you been at? What are you doing up there? I literally search Eric Roberts. I have a Google alert for Eric Roberts' name, and I search the news featuring Eric Roberts all the time, and yet, no, I don't remember ever hearing of this program, Class Act, which is indeed the entire first season is available to watch on Amazon Prime as we speak, as of April 30th, 2019. So actually, I don't feel too bad. It's only as of April 30th that it's been available to watch. All right, I'll let it go this time. So I'm turning it on right now to watch. (laughs) (laughs) I should also note... That apparently uh, there are seven episodes and they appear to be less than ten minutes each, Liam. Uh, okay. I might actually watch it then. <laughs> that, that finally caught your fancy. Well, speaking of catching your fancy, local feature film Dust Nuggets is in need of extras, Liam. This is very exciting. Dust, Dust Nuggets is a film about a band called The Dust Nuggets. They went from the garage to the stadium. Looks like a uh, a musical, not a biopic because this is a fake band, but a musical bio all the same. It's a local film with Hollywood ties. In April, the production team announced Robert Picardo, uh, a uh, uh, reunion of Robert Picardo and Eric Roberts, Liam, from what was that movie called? Oh, boy. What was it called? The one one with the gay superhero? Surge of Power, Liam. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Also featuring the great Robert Picardo and Eric Roberts will be joining the cast. Uh, So they're looking for local uh, extras. Uh, And maybe I should have uh, found out where this article was from. Let me look at it right now. It appears to be in Pennsylvania, Liam. I was about to say, Berks County, I don't think is that far from here. Okay. So possibly, Liam, in Pennsylvania. You know what that means, Liam? I heard that you're going to... Pennsylvania. Well, you are in Pennsylvania, but you're going to be going to a major city center soon. Perhaps you could be in this film, Dust Nuggets. Yeah, that sounds great. They're in need of extras. You won't miss out on it like you did with that billboard movie, Liam. Um, I don't know that I missed out on that billboard movie. Trey, would you watch a movie called Dust Nuggets? Um, 
the premise sounds more interesting than the title. I think you're right about that. Uh, though I do want to ask you now, you are obviously, Trey, no offense, a big nerd. Would that be correct? <laughs> uh, that's fair. Yeah. I, I can, I'll own that. It's okay. We embrace it these days. But uh, since you're a nerd, are you the kind of Star Trek nerd that would be a fan of Robert Picardo? So... I am a fan of Robert Picardo, both because of Star Trek, but also because The Howling is the best werewolf movie of 1981. He is a, a regular fixture in the works of Joe Dante. That's right. Uh, Howling, uh, Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2. He is terrific yep. in that as well. We love Robert Picardo. We want to see him work with Eric Roberts. Keep your eyes out for Dust Nuggets and try to get in that movie if you can. Speaking of movies, trailer for 90 Feet From Home, a movie starring Shawn Michaels, the professional wrestler. This is a faith-based movie where Michael stars alongside Eric Roberts and Dean Cain. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hallam, <laughs> Stephen Michael Cazada, and Alexandria DeBerry. Uh, the trailer has been released. Liam, did you watch the trailer for 90 Feet From Home starring Shawn Michaels? No, I did not. Put a link right there for you to watch it. Yeah, no, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm like really actually pretty good. Shawn Michaels should super kick you in the face, Liam, for <laughs> not having watched the trailer for this faith-based movie, 90 Feet From Home. Uh, Trey, of course, you watched the trailer. I uh, I saw that the link was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was uh, there just for Liam, so I, I, I left it. <laughs> Don't lie. Come on. Hey, are you excited, though? Are you excited to see Eric Roberts act alongside wrestling legend Shawn Michaels, Trey? Oh. Um, mm-hmm. I can't say that I am. Well, let me t- – t- why don't you tell us your favorite memories of Shawn Michaels? His boyhood dream came true at WrestleMania. What do you think about his wrestling career? Um. Very talented. Sure. Um, I tell a secret, not really a secret, but Mm -hmm. in that era, I was more of a WCW guy. Hey, Liam, do you you enjoy an actress named Vivica A. Fox? I certainly do. I'm glad you do, Liam, because recently Vivica A. Fox inked a deal to produce a number of films for the Lifetime Network in the series of wrong films. And when I say wrong, I don't mean the films are wrong. I mean the titles have the word wrong in them. You might remember there are movies like The Wrong Roommate and The Wrong Something or Other. Well, upcoming on the Lifetime Network on July 19th is The Wrong Mommy, starring Vivica A. Fox and Eric Roberts, as well as Dee Wallace is going to be in it. Uh, The plot goes like this. After receiving a promotion and more responsibility at work, Melanie, Jessica Morris from The Wrong Teacher, decides to hire Phoebe, Ashlyn Yenny from The Wrong Neighbor, as her personal assistant. Smart and cunning, Phoebe has an ulterior motive for taking the job and a twisted plan for revenge involving Melanie's mother, Carol, Dee Wallace. The Wrong Mommy is executive produced by Jeffrey Shank and Barry Barnholtz and produced by Vivica Fox and David Dakota, Liam. With Dakota directing from a script written by Robert Dean Klein. The Wrong Mommy. Liam, I don't know who either Vivek A. Fox or Eric Roberts play in this movie, according to that plot summary. But I'm very excited to check it out. The Wrong Mommy, Liam, directed by David Dakota. Another Eric Roberts, David Dakota movie. I mean, it's got Vivek A. Fox in it, so that's encouraging. Are you a fan of Vivek A. Fox, Trey? Um, I... I'm happy to watch things that she's in. I, I don't know that I'd call myself a huge fan, but do you ever watch Lifetime movies? Trey, you ever sit down and watch a movie on the Lifetime Network? Not so much. No, no, the, I don't hold that against you. Don't worry about <laughs> having that as your answer, Trey, because the thing about the movies on the Lifetime Network are, and this is episode ninety nine, so I, I guess I can say it. And I know this is going to offend some of our listeners. They're almost all trash, and I don't mean good trash. They're just generally just terrible badly made movies however every once in a while you get something interesting you get something unique you get something fun like those stock by my doctor movies you get something where it's a little bit campy it's got a few recognizable actors in it they just find a way to uh, to connect that you just don't usually see i don't know if i have a lot of faith in the wrong mommy liam but i think i'll give it a shot trey will you be watching the wrong mommy um be it honest, depend, Trey. It will depend entirely on your recommendation. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I guess we better watch it for episode 100, Liam. What do you think? <laughs> Good to me. <laughs> Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb feed is Deported, 
from director Tyler Spindle. You might know him from 2018's Father of the Year. It featured David Spade and Nat Faction. He's also an actor that appeared in a number of Adam Sandler movies for some reason. Plot is, when his new girlfriend gets deported on a technicality, Ross hires a fake husband to get her back into the country because he's not ready to commit to marriage. Featuring an all-star cast, including the great Robert Davey, Nick Swartzen, Clint Howard, Andy Dick, and Eric Roberts as a character named... Lansing, a uh, very up-to-the-minute, very topical-sounding uh, comedic film called Deported. Uh, Trey, when you hear me uh, uh, read out that plot summary, are you interested in checking out Deported, especially with that cast? That sounds like not the best idea. Now, tell me why. Why isn't that a good idea? Is it because the idea of someone being deported is actually tragic and horrible? And in fact, just this past week, we're hearing about people dying uh, on the border. They're being taken away from their families. Seems really controversial, maybe not something to be making light of. Yes. And that's Mm. not to say that there's not a place for political satire. Sure. I'm not sure that I trust the names listed on this to treat that topic as delicately as it probably needs to be treated it takes a deft and respectful hand that you don't necessarily connect to the work of andy dick is that what you're trying to tell me that that is exactly right hmm controversial opinion from you Hmm. let's move over to Hmm. our uh notorious conservative liam o'donnell now you must be happy to see robert davies name here because he shares your view your trump uh uh worshiping view on local mm. politics. Uh, so mm. what do you think about the idea? Oh, local. Only on local politics. At a federal <laughs> level, I hate, hate him. But yeah, well, politics, of course. Yeah, I'm with Trump. Look, hey, you saw your tax return this year. You're like, thank you, Mr. Trump. Um, Liam, what do you think of this movie, Deported? I don't know. I don't know if I trust Andy Dick for anything. Oh, boy. Well, here's the thing about uh, political correctness, Liam. I know that you hate political correctness. You think that this world is way too politically correct, uh, and you're you're politically incorrect and proud of it. I don't know if I'm politically incorrect, <laughs> but I am. Uh, I am. <laughs> I can't think of anything funny. I don't know. I don't know why I'm trying to make a joke right now. I got nothing. You don't walk that line, Liam. About I was basically this whole thing was going to lead to me farting into the microphone. Oh, so was I'll it? Just let people know that that was my plan. I have a so, fart. So do you fart think? Into the microphone. So what do you think? You got to check out "Deported" from director Tyler Spindle. You know he's worked with the uh, Adam Sandler crew, so I think he knows some, a little something about comedy. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, he does know a lot about com- com- comedy. Are you, still, of- are you still trying to fart into your microphone, Liam? <laughs> no, not anymore. So you're gonna check this out? This movie "Deported"? Or does no, it sound I'm like a really terrible idea? No, yeah, it sounds terrible. I'm not gonna watch that. Come on. Why are we even talking about this? Jesus Christ. Because it was recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb. I'm sure all the movies were added. This, this, Come on. All right. You need to calm down a little bit, Liam. You know what I think we're going to do? <laughs> Just spend more time talking about Class Act. Why did you miss out Class Act? We got to talk about Deported. Let's, let's all take a deep breath. We're going to go on our first <laughs> break. When we return, we're going to push this news, this exciting news to the side. We need to talk about... A little movie from the year 2019 recently aired on the Sci-Fi Network, directed by Mark A- Mark Atkins, the director of Six-Headed Shark Attack. Liam, it's Monster Island. We're going to talk about it right after this. Gigantic monsters threaten to destroy everything in their path as mankind remains defenseless. It's Monster Island from the year 2019, directed by Mark Atkins, uh, a regular provider of low-budget schlock for the Sci-Fi Network. Uh, He directed Six-Headed Shark Attack, Empire of the Sharks, Planet of the Sharks, 
Sand Sharks, as well as Android Cop from a couple years back, which I actually heard was pretty good. He also wrote this movie. Stars Eric Roberts as General Horn, Toshi Toda, Lieutenant Maxwell, uh, Adrian Boucher as the Elon Musk-esque Billy Ford, Natalie Robbie as Sarah Murray, and some other people, most of them sporting South African accents that are just barely being hidden. Uh, this is a kaiju movie uh, made to, um, I think, uh, gain some sort of traction from the recent release of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Now, does this uh, match up to Godzilla in terms of quality? Well, I haven't seen that movie yet, so I can't say for sure. Liam, have you seen Godzilla, King of the Monsters? I have not. Have you seen any Godzilla movies? I have. Good. Liam, what would you think of Monster Island from the year 2019? Um... Uh, low-key form of torture. Now, now. Come on, now. <laughs> movies aren't movies aren't meant to be uh, uh, compared to torture, Liam. I mean, they're not meant to be, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... So, it is... <clears throat> it's a film in which uh, the... You know, the idea is that there's this monster drama going on, and there's only so much budget for the monsters, so we have to have a lot of, like... Uh, shots of actors responding to things sure um and none of our actors responding to things are very good at responding to things okay um so we immediately have a problem because it's lots of shots of them pretending to see things not very well um but you know at least they're in these high-tech sort of scenarios where the set design is very well done only the opposite of that is true. Um, <laughs> or they're just sitting in a room and there's literally like at one point they're in an, an, a submersible mm-hmm. and it's just a room with rope lights. Like there are literal rope lights. Like yeah. I what? I th- again, you know, no, I, we all have seen movies made with literally no money that had 10 to 20 times the insight around uh, our, you know, artistic design and set design and all that stuff than this movie did. And it, it wouldn't have taken that much effort to at least make it a little bit more visually engaging. Uh, and then, you know, at least then the CGI works really well, only none of the CGI works well. <laughs> and it doesn't even need to work well. Um, this is a kaiju movie in which one of the kaiju is, from what I can tell, a starfish? It's like a giant starfish, a la Starro from the DC Comics. And it just spends a lot of time just laying there. Just kind of lays it, there. And then it moves around <laughs> for a little bit, not very effectively. And then it dies and shoots a lot of uh, flying things, which seem cool, but they're not around for very long. And then they wake up a big rock monster that mm-hmm. doesn't really do a whole lot. Just It just seems like if you're going to name the movie Monster Island, there should be upwards of, let's go ahead and say, five monsters. And this barely has three monsters. Um, just didn't love that. Didn't love it. Well, I mean, let me elaborate a little using some of the information you just gave, Liam, because our plot summary was obviously pretty limited. As you mentioned, we have a uh, explorer or sea miners. They accidentally awaken this giant starfish. It has magma, lava, magma for blood. Uh, very dangerous. It needs to kind of recharge. It needs a lot of energy. So it's looking for underwater volcanoes and eventually above water mega volcanoes. Uh, and they discover that there's some sort of ancient history with these kaijus apparently there were quite a few of them at one time they get uh, uh, an expert in that to uh, help them uh, try to work things out while the U.S. government is also trying to I guess it's the U.S. government some sort of government is trying to stop them at the same time they eventually decide they also have to awaken this giant rock monster and the rock monster is supposed to be I guess our good guy kaiju analog they fight not very well, because the starfish just kind of wraps itself around this rock monster who just falls down. And then uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, right. The good guy, the lead guy, he shoots an arrow into the uh, bad guy, and that, that kills him, I guess. Is that right, Liam? Is that how this movie ends? Uh, Yeah. Well, it, it, there's an egg. Somehow there's an egg as well. Well, there's a few eggs. But they are, there's also no, no, no. Egg. Like the very end, there's a yeah. Big well, they egg. they agree they need to protect the egg. They have to protect yeah. the egg, of course, of course. Let's let's get someone with a little sense in here to tell us their thoughts yes, on the movie. Please, please. Also, uh, Trey, when you talk to us, could you also explain to us what a geomythologist is, as you know a lot about? Apparently, this sort of a science. real thing. I looked that up. It, anyway, Trey, tell me about your thoughts on geomythologists and 2019's Monster Island. Um. So. 
the first 20, 30 minutes or so seems to be terrible people using peer pressure on each other to try and wreck the environment. Right. Um, like, they're all sort of, like, they're not supposed to be digging. They dig anyway. They don't want to dig. Sure. They get peer pressured into digging. Uh, but, yeah. Um, and, and that sort of starts the problem, is if you're not going to have the budget to show a lot of the monsters, then the people need to be at least somewhat likable and compelling. And they weren't. It's a real problem in this movie, particularly because our lead guy, our lead kind of billionaire who's sort of funding this underwater uh, exploration and mining, A, his motivations don't seem to be that great. And B, I thought he was going to end up being the bad guy because he mines oh, yeah. underwater. That's, he's, that's obviously a bad guy thing to be doing. Um, right. But he ends up being the guy who kind of he, – he knows so much about mining that he's actually more of an expert on the subject and kind of has to tell Eric Roberts and his flunkies what they should be doing at any particular time. Not that any of what he ends up telling them is very helpful at all except for the idea that the kaiju is heading towards this particular giant volcano. Um, the other thing I thought was strange, <clears throat> and, and again, is probably partly due to, to limited budget and time constraints, sure. but, uh, they, they go meet with, they, they already have one geomythologist with them. Yes. But they need to, they need to upgrade. So they go to this other older geomythologist who is all in on the existence of giant monsters. And she has all of this knowledge about these legends that, that <laughs> pertain directly to the monsters they're encountering. But but there's no, like, cultural or expository grounding for any of that. That's true. And so it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> it's not like she's tying it into a specific culture, like like an indigenous culture or something like that, which is probably a good idea in some ways. But... Sure, but, it, but it's not even like, like in a Toho movie where you get the story of infant Island and all of that as right. backdrop to explain Mothra. It also is the case that because we're waiting for this giant, uh, starfish to reach this Island, that it means we only get to see some conflict between monsters in the final 20 minutes. And as I mentioned, it's kind of underwhelming. One of the limitations of it being all CG, which I mean, all of the special effects in this movie for the most part are computer generated. I think to, especially the monster action and because that's so expensive, it means that they can't really show much of it. And were you kind of disappointed by the monster action we got in the movie, Trey? Both in how little there was, but also just in the monster designs. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not great for monster versus monster action. Um, it took basically the whole movie for me to realize that the first monster was a starfish. Yeah. Um, at first, I thought it was like a giant squid or something, like like 20,000 Leagues style. Sure. Um. And then it gives birth, but its babies are like pteranodons for some reason. I don't really understand. I mean, I'm glad they did it, even though it kind of reminded me of the American Godzilla movie from 1998. The idea right. of all these eggs being laid and they are hatched and there are dozens and dozens of these pterodactyl-like creatures whose heads open up uh, actually very interestingly and they can breathe fire and destroy helicopters and whatnot but we don't even get to see them do mass destruction for the most part no because they never actually reach a major city or anything yeah exactly um uh, you know what it reminded me of uh, in in not a great way but <laughs> it, it's cloverfield where there are the tiny monsters that don't right. much look like the big monster but they come from it I mean, I think that's a really strong comparison in how <laughs> uninteresting some of that was. It's 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 an odd decision because it really does take focus away from the main threats. But then again, the main threats have to be lumbering and slow moving. I really do wish that this movie eventually reached some sort of city. I just can't believe we didn't see at least one building get stepped on. But then again, really, the how could they yeah. possibly afford that? They barely rendered the monsters they had. I won't have to have them do anything in a city. That's one area where, arguably, Atlantic Rim is the better movie. <laughs> sure. In that you actually have giant robots fighting giant monsters, sometimes in the vicinity of a building. See? Right. That's what I wanted I, to see. This is the, the only thing with the monsters that was really to the point where it just didn't make sense to me is like, so we have this giant starfish-looking monster, shoots out these little ones. 
Then it grows wings out of its mouth and yeah. flies away. Yep. What is yep. that? That part was uh, it was Terry Gilliam level animation. <laughs> right. Right. It was not even like everything up to that point was bad, but it made a certain logical sense that when the thing sprouts, wakes up, sprouts wings and, and flies off. I thought, well, we've just given up. We've just stopped caring about what we're doing. Um, also, why did the rock monster just look like a weird uh, boxy cyclops thing? Like it, it looked very um, uh, retro and not actually very kaiju at all. Yeah, more uh, Harry, Harry Housen than trouble. kaiju. Yeah. I knew we were in for trouble when the other monster was called the Living Mountain. Yeah. Right. Such strong hands. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's int- I. It's like they wanted to build a mythology because this movie is very much set up for the potential for sequels, but they didn't want to dive too far into it. I would, I mean, that's the the license that they had. They could have went wild with mythology. They could have just yeah. went, you know, and and talked about weaknesses. And boy, it's 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 like we knew from the beginning that when these monsters finally got together, it was going to be a disappointment. But we all just held out hope that maybe it wouldn't be the case. Liam, I do want to ask you, since we have to spend so much time with these humans. Uh, did any of the performances stick out to you? Any at all? I mean, here's the thing. Um, Eric Roberts and uh, Toshi Toda, I was like, I recognize those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a bunch of other people in the movie. Um, uh, Chris Fisher, is that the, that's the hippie-looking assistant? <laughs> who, yes. who, spoiler alert, just gets unceremoniously turned into goo from the flames of one of those. But you knew that was going to happen because he's unnecessarily a jerk. Yeah. And in fact, the whole time watching it, I kept thinking, clearly this character functions just to make the Billy Ford character look good because he needs someone to do that because he sucks. And to that extent, he was good at his job. He was real annoying. I didn't like him at all. And in fact, when it comes to performances, that was the only thing that really stuck out to me was like, man, this guy's real unlikable. (laughs) <laughs> so I kind of appreciated that. How about you, Trey? Any of the performances stick out? Um, so yes, but probably not in the way that <laughs> anyone would hope. Um, the the older geomythologist, who's the the character name I think is uh, Rena Hungaroa. Yeah, I believe that's her. Um, clearly, all of her stuff must have been done in one take <laughs> because nobody ever stopped to tell her that it's not Caillou. I know she calls them Caillou's the entire movie, <laughs> and nobody corrected her. Nope, at any point during the shoot, uh, which I thought was notable. I want to give a shout out to the actor uh, who plays Captain uh, Mato or Mato, uh, Jonathan. I Kinar. liked him. He's he I has this him. outrageous French accent. He is the only person giving any sort of kind of interesting wild performance in this he's bringing character to it i mean he's making the most out of something that really is a completely thankless role i'm gonna give my uh eric roberts is the fucking man thumbs up of approval to that performance right there because it's literally the only thing that gave me life for like the first hour of this he had nothing to do in that movie but he was invested yeah yeah he 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 was gonna have some fun no matter what was going around around him liam did did you think that was a, a worthwhile a little bit or do you not even remember who that character is <sighs> oh <laughs> yes 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 when they're on the boat yeah 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 it, it, he at least was doing something silly he was making a strong choice yeah and that strong choice was silly but at least it like set him apart in some way uh and it really i okay the more i think about it actually I hadn't quite thought about it this way. I had to watch this movie in chunks, um, <laughs> partly because of my schedule and partly because it was so fucking tedious. But um, <laughs> but in that early piece, I thought, well, the stuff on the boat is going to be kind of fun because this guy's redonkulous. Right. Like he's just being kind of goofy. So if that's the tone for the rest of the movie, but it, we never got back there. There was never anything amusing. Once he left, everyone else was deadly. We're holding these these video game joysticks deadly seriously as we do deadly serious things because of all the all the various kaiju and the ver- and at, at a certain point they tried to introduce another term like 
they were kaiju, but then they were trying to say they were some other certain type of monster, and then that yeah, got the, lost. The, well, it had a name. Like, the starfish yeah. was the Tengu. <laughs> yeah! What the... Oh, my God. <laughs> so, at one point in the movie, Billy Ford, our lead character, he refers to the characters as the monsters, as kaiju. Like, he, it's just like he knows what they are already. Now, the question I have for the both of you is, is this a proper kaiju movie? Or is it just a big old monster movie that happens to have a brief fight at the end? Does it does it have the elements that are necessary? Now, I'm going to start with you, Trey. I know that you you have a love for monsters. I'm sure you've seen your share, fair share, of of uh, Godzilla and, and Toho monster movies from the 70s. Does this feel like a kaiju movie to you? I, I grew up on those old Godzilla movies. I had them on VHS. I watched them repeatedly. I love mm. that stuff. This doesn't really feel like that. Um, not not even like one of the bad ones, because even the ones that get considered bad are making really strong, bold, interesting choices. Sure. This feels more like an earlier era of monster movie. Like, this is like the the like American Hollywood style fifties. Yeah. Like, like, uh, cold war era monster movies. It certainly feels more like that, right? With the scientist and his little group and they're, you know, following it around and they're the ones that, you know, the, the authorities are not believing them or they don't. Think and if the budget wasn't great, you fill in with lots of reaction shots. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's sort of where I'm at with it. And, and one thing that did come to mind and I would, I'm hesitant to compare anything to Ed Wood, but talking about the submersible set just being right. like string lights and things, I, I immediately think of uh, the cockpit of the airplane in Plan 9, where yes. uh, where it's just like chairs and a clipboard on the wall. I mean, admittedly, I think that maybe they reach a little bit of a uh, uh, higher quality than that, but not sure. significantly. Sure. But I, I mean, I no, think it's a- this is this is not even a cheap kaiju ripoff because even the 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 worst kaiju movies like you were saying trey have have some sort of this feels like um the more i thought about it, the more it actually reminded me of a really really bad version of like reptilicus or something like that like just that sort of uh just let's make this as boring as possible (laughs) and then just the one big fight which is not really interesting at all and and um yeah, it it just it, it, as soon as you said it, Trey, I was like, yeah, that's definitely right. It's that like that fifties sci-fi. Like all that matters is that we did uh, twenty minutes of claymation, and that's that's going to carry the whole film. Structurally, they know what's supposed to be in the monster movie. Yeah. Like right. you need to have like a certain type of fight scene and a certain type of like scene with humans fighting the monster and like all of the pieces are there they don't understand on a like emotional level or or whatever how all of those pieces are supposed to work together i I think that's a really fair way to say it i do have to ask both of you though now as i mentioned this movie does set up the potential for a sequel if not sequels Uh, i wouldn't be surprised to see a monster island 2 in the uh, semi near future would you watch starting with you liam a series of films that brought the uh, Asylum verse together, where where it takes all of their creatures from their various films and puts them all into one. Um, will it? Are we assuming it's going to be more <laughs> interesting than this? I wouldn't necessarily uh, make that claim or have that expectation. Then no, I'm un- I'm not interested. All right, over to you, Trey. <laughs> I would look forward to the Mystery Science Theater and or Rift Tracks version of that. Mm, While I, the forever optimist, I would look forward to it and then be inevitably disappointed when I actually watched it. Just like I was with 2019's Monster Island, which, by the way, features Eric Roberts in a supporting role. We haven't really mentioned him. That's because every once in a while the movie just stops and someone makes a phone call, and they talk to Eric Roberts, and he's wearing a uniform. He's a general in this movie, and he's like he barks orders back to the lead guy, and they have a little back and forth. And I don't really know what happens to him at the end of the movie. Does he get killed in this, Liam? I can't remember. No, I don't think so. He no, just vanishes from so. the movie, right? Um, just... Doug, um, Liam, I, I, I don't want to offend, so uh, please Uh-oh. stop me. But uh, <laughs> am I allowed to make an Eric Roberts phoned-it-in joke? 
I think it's a very fair joke to make, Trey, and I'm going to give you permission right now. Let's hear your joke about Eric Roberts phoning it in. But, you know, it really seems to me like <laughs> in this movie, Eric Roberts was just phoning it in. You motherfucker. Hey, this is a podcast <laughs> about Eric Roberts. I don't really think it's fair to All be so critical. He's holding a phone. <laughs> oh, now I get it. Let's talk about Eric Roberts, the actor in the movie Monster Island. Uh, as I mentioned, he has a authority presence that he brings to this role. He probably has about five minutes of screen time for the whole thing. Uh, sticking with our guest today, Trey Lawson. Trey, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie, outside of the fact that you offensively suggested he phoned it in? You know, I think that he <laughs> isn't given a lot to do. No. Um, <laughs> and, and part of the problem is because... I wanted to like his character because I disliked Billy Ford so much. Sure, absolutely. And Eric Ro- and he Roberts is presented as sort of the the sort of antithesis of Billy Ford. Like he is the government sanctioned authority figure as opposed to Billy Ford who's off like flouting government regulations absolutely. and doing things on his own. 100%. But the movie keeps making Billy Ford right. Yeah. And I found that really frustrating. Because I wanted Eric Roberts to be right. <laughs> um, it's a frustrating performance in a lot of ways, simply because it's just Eric Roberts barking into a phone. Eric Roberts barking into a phone, wearing a uniform. I mean, you don't really get a sense of him as a character. He's just really a foe to be overcome by our lead hero. Uh, Liam, what did you think of the performance in this movie? Uh, he seems sleepy. A little sleepy. Uh, yeah, a little confused. Um, he, he manages to get kind of mad a couple times, but a lot of his performance, uh, he doesn't seem fully present in the movie. He was and... really excited about that sonar weapon. Yeah. Which was not yeah. very effective, but was pretty cool. All the same. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I, I didn't love it. I didn't love his performance in this film. I have a question for you, Liam. Yes. Do you think they flew Eric Roberts to South Africa for his part in this movie, or do you think they filmed it elsewhere? Outside of one shot where he's on like a pier, it all kind of takes place in one room. It is entirely possible they shot his section somewhere else. I think it's possible. What do you think, Trey? I, I think they probably got a studio somewhere uh, cheap in in the States. I think I – think, look, I don't want to throw aspersions towards this movie, but I do think it's – possible that eric roberts shot his scenes elsewhere uh if not probable because it would be a lot cheaper and if anything this movie looks like it's uh looking to save a little money where it can i'm going to start with you liam the question the very idea of this podcast is whether eric roberts is the fucking man is eric roberts the fucking man in 2019's monster island i hate to say it oh boy especially on episode 99 you know we want to end strong but nah, man, he's not. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't. Let's put it this way. He wasn't given enough to do, which may or may not be true. Uh, <laughs> and uh, therefore, he wasn't able to really bring anything to the film. I mean, I can't disagree. It, I do. It's it's a little hard to disagree with that. It's it's a pretty weak performance in a lot of ways. But the 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 clinching opinion comes from our guest Trey. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in this movie? I wish he was, um, but I, more than anything, I just found myself wondering if he had been given the entire script or just the scenes he was in. Right. I mean, I think that's fair because it's certainly his part seems disengaged from the rest of the movie in a lot of ways. And, and like, even those sections feel like they could have been plopped in it, at various bits just to kind of remind the audience every once in a while that he's in the movie. And like I said, there isn't even really any ending to that confrontation and that conflict i mean he just kind of vanishes to the point because right. the, the the lead guy he basically goes over his head in the government and talks to somebody else because he's a billionaire right i wanted more conflict is what i'm trying to say i wanted more but i didn't get eric roberts yelling at this guy who's barely restrained south african accent was distracting to me for the entire movie <laughs> Uh, I cannot Agreed. recommend 2019's Monster Island, a really middling, if not below average, affair, uh, even with the low expectations that you have for most Asylum sci-fi television movies. Uh, maybe a little more Eric Roberts would have helped. Certainly a lot more monster action 
would have helped. Uh, if they do do any follow-ups, uh, I would have reservations about checking them out. Hey, but like I said, Eternal Optimist, I may watch them anyway, especially if they bring back this dynamite Eric Roberts character. We're going to take our final break. When we return, we're going to do some plugging, and we're going to say good night. That was episode number 99 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the penultimate episode of the podcast. I want to give a massive thanks to monster expert Trey Lawson for taking time at his very busy schedule to talk to us about 2019's Monster Island. Trey, where can people find you on the internet? Sure. I am on Twitter at T underscore Lawson, um, or you can follow the Tomb of Ideas account. That's at Tomb of Ideas. And, of course, that podcast is part of uh, Cinepunks, and uh, you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll certainly link Tomb of Ideas here on the show notes for this episode. And, yeah, you go over to Cinepunks.com, check out the whole slew of interesting podcasts, which I'm guessing, Liam, you're going to tell us about a brand new one that uh, just recently launched. It's true. Um, people may know uh, Sam Deegan from... Uh... Uh, Daughters of Darkness, the podcast she did with Ken Ellinger, or uh, her work with uh, Diabolique, or uh, uh, many uh, of the commentaries uh, she's done. Uh, Liam, Liam, she was a guest yeah. on this very podcast. I know. I was just talking about the good things she's done. Anyways, the point is <laughs> that she is now co-hosting a podcast with uh, Rob Scavarla, who uh, people might also know his writing or his website, Neon Slime, um, called uh, Evil Eye, which is a, an exploration of goth in film. Uh, Rob had a, actually a column about this topic for Cinepunks for a little while, but it was focused only on very, very specifically films that are goth, which is a different question. You sure. know what I mean? And so uh, this will be a, a lot broader, sort of talking about some of the movies that influence goth culture. So, for example, uh, The Wicker Man, you know, no one doing The Wicker Man was a goth. But The Wicker Man had a huge influence on goth culture. You see what I'm saying? Sure. So it, it's sort of a broader conversation than uh, Rob's column, which was very good. He used to, he used to do a column called Every Day is Halloween uh, that was very good. But he didn't get to do a lot of it because it was actually hard to find movies that sort of fit the, the, the mold of what he was trying to do. Well, that's very exciting. Everyone should check out. Uh, I do want to. I do want to apologize. On the first episode, they recommend typo negative, and and you know I, that's embarrassing for everyone. But not, it's is fine. That not punk enough for you, uh, Liam? <laughs> I mean, it's not punk at all. It'd be easy for that. Not that that wouldn't be punk enough for anyone. How about skinny <laughs> puppy, uh, Liam? What do you think of skinny puppy? Uh, I'm not a big industrial person. Um, hmm. My friends, friends of mine now run their whole merch like they are the skinny puppy store. Uh -huh. So, you know, I respect that, that they went to a smaller company and let them handle their merch. But Liam, do you have any friends that aren't involved in garbage? <sighs> yeah. What? <laughs> Hate you so much. <laughs> Liam, where can people find you on the internet? Nowhere. They don't want to find me. My memory tells me that you are on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R U L Z. That sounds made up. Yeah. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, idiotic. Even, yeah. It, it is something that I'm pretty sure exists. Yeah, they should go to Cinepunks, though. Uh, Cinepunks is on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can just look up C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X and find everything about us. Yeah, check it all out. You can also find me on Twitter at, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Uh, you can check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, about low-budget, ultra-micro-budget, and shot-on-video cinema. That's over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. We recently covered the another mockbuster, uh, a mockbuster called The Amazing Bulk, where the entirety of it was shot against a green screen using uh, pre-visualized, computer-generated uh, uh already existing elements and it sucks and it's really interesting to talk about so check that out over at nobudgetpodcast.com or you can check out the flight stuff liam and my and adriana gober's podcast about 
uh, Canadian superhero team Alpha Flight. You can find that on Twitter at Flight Stuff Pod or go over to Cinepunks where you can find the Flight Stuff Podcast. And it's also available just like all the podcasts we talked about today, wherever your favorite podcasts are available. Speaking of podcasts, hey, you're listening to one right now. It's called Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. You can find it on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M or do a search on Facebook for Eric Roberts is the Man. Or if you want to check out everything, just go over to Eric Roberts is the Man. Dot com. Hey, we're rapidly approaching episode number 100. The very next one you listen to is going to be the very final episode, maybe, of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. We need to get out of this blood oath, Liam. I hope you're excited about this secret, special way I've discovered about uh, relinquishing our blood oath for the rest of our lives. I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. Liam, are you excited? I mean, I'm sure it'll be dangerous, uh, but that's okay. It's going to be a really special episode. We're going to be making some very big announcements. It's going to be very interesting. I hope everybody checks out this episode. I guess you already are, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And then you're going to check out an episode number 100 where we're going to finish this off with a bang. But until then, we need to close the Eric Roberts bag. We're going to be back very soon with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man If there's anything that you can do Eric Roberts fucking can